When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome in to Poke the Bear, episode 26, in honor of this season. I don't know how 26 would be in honor of the season, but uh, Poke the Bear, episode 26. Bruins regular season starts this week. I'm Evan Marinovsky, alongside Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal. Connor, how are we doing? Evan, I'm doing uh, very well. We, at long last, we finally have Bruins hockey back. By the time this uh, graces the ears of our listeners, uh, there'll be Bruins hockey on the horizon, finally. So I'm doing swell. How you doing? Good. And it'll be hockey tonight, technically. That is uh, true. Thurs- Thursday night. We're recording this Wednesday, right before the Penguins-Flyers game, which is actually, well, I don't think it's ever been a thing where the Penguins-Flyers game has any impact on the Bruins in the standing. Instead, this is, you know, now this is, it impacts them. It's just, wow. Uh, but, uh, yes, I'm very happy, very excited for this season. Uh, and for all the listeners, make sure to go subscribe to Bruins Rankside on YouTube. Maybe you're watching this on Bruins Rankside on YouTube. And if you're not subscribed, it's free. Just subscribe. It's easy. Um, but at any rate, this, it's fun because as we, we say this, we've been saying this as uh, things have progressed to now. We always say there's more to talk about. There's more to talk about because you think of those podcasts we were doing you know, back in June. And those podcasts we were doing in, you know, November. And there was nothing. There was nothing. The biggest news, off-season news, was I was in quarantine. Uh, uh, I was going to say, you didn't have a fun time when we were ranking, like, Thanksgiving food for, like, legitimately, I think, maybe 35 minutes of, like, a 40-minute podcast. Yeah. I mean, I had, I mean I, I had a swell time, Evan. But I understand yeah. this is a hockey this is a hockey podcast, so. Well, it's a Thanksgiving and st- a stuffing podcast as well. So we get to yeah. the listeners what they want. Um but anyways, there's quite a bit, and we'll get to all of it uh, within the next 35 minutes. Big news before we get to sort of the uh, on-the-ice stuff. Willie O'Ree, rightfully, 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 um, got his number retired, number 22, forcing Craig Smith to go to number 12. So Craig Smith, his time as 22 lasted about two weeks. Yeah, uh, Very that. quick, but rightfully so. And at, by the way, I'll say this. He should never even got 22 because Willie O'Ree's number should have been retired way before. This should not... I wish this happened years ago, but glad to see it finally do happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, definitely an overdue honor. Um, it's, you know, kind of a shame that uh, when it finally does get retired in February, barring some miraculous thing, right, it's not going to be a, a full garden or anything like that. So hopefully they get uh, Willie back to the garden at some point once, uh, you know, fans are allowed back in safely and they can give him kind of that proper uh, ceremony because, I think once that news uh, dropped on on Tuesday, I think everyone was just like, "Finally, right?" Like it, it was one of those ones where it's like it was pretty much a no brainer for uh, you know his impact as a, a trailblazing figure in the game of hockey, and not just that, but his efforts after hockey. I mean, he kind of talked about that when speaking to the media on Wednesday. That it's almost like he's more well known now uh, in terms of what his role is, just in terms of you know speaking about his experience. Um, 
and continuing to grow the game of hockey, which is, uh, you know, uh, something that the league has been focused on for years now. And uh, Willie's played a, a key role in that, in that, uh, you know, venture to, to grow the game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, when that news came out, it was the least surprising news ever in terms of, <laughs> you know, how deserving he is of that and his role uh, in hockey. So it's good to see uh, him finally get, get that due for, for, you know, the career that he had, especially and uh, just his role in the game. You know, it's not just he's not looking through like the stat book at, you know, how many goals or, or anything like that. You know, it's, it's what he meant to the game and for him to get, you know, his name up on the Raptors with, guys that are synonymous with the Bruins and hockey in general, right? Uh, it's just a, a fitting tribute to to a guy like Willie. But it is funny because when you do think of Bruins legends, he is someone that I do think you you think of in terms of those guys. Like his name is up there mm-hmm. and rightfully so should be with the Cam Neely's, the Bobby Orr's, the, uh, the Rick Middleton's, the Terry O'Reilly's, just because the impact he's had, as you mentioned, you know, past the stats, take away the stats, just the amount he's done even after hockey. I mean, just the amount he's grown the game, the hockey is for everyone campaign. Um, you know, we talked to yesterday or uh, Tuesday and how they kind of called him to the 90, 1991 all-star game. And it was kind of the first time where they were like, oh, this is actually, you know, he's a big deal. And ever since then, it's been right. consistent, you know, like doing these clinics and spreading the game. So he's a hero. He's a legend um, and absolutely awesome to see his name go up to the rafters where it should. Number 22 should be up there. So great to see. Willie O'Ree get the, the recognition he deserves. Um, he's been honored at the Garden before. Uh, I believe there was a game, I, I looked up on YouTube, there was a game against the Canadians a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but to see him get honored for uh, for his number retiring is a whole different ballgame. So uh, congrats to Willie. Big, big props to a legend. Um, so now to the season, to Bruins topics for the season. Um, obviously, uh, let's get into, we'll do some positives and negatives. Uh, we'll start with some volatile spots in the lineup. So most of the lineup feels like it's pretty set. It's right. been set since the start of camp. There hasn't been a lot of changes um, in the lineup at all. So this is kind of the spots that I, I think there's five. We'll start. I think the first two lines for now are good. They're fine. Yes. There's no real changes on the horizon, but on the third line, Connor, this might surprise you, but Nick Ritchie on the left side. People aren't sold on Nick Ritchie yet. Can you really? That? They're not. Think, they're not sold. Think? Every time, dude. I I tweeted today uh, on Wednesday uh, during practice, just the lines. And again, you would think that I like flipped off the, all of my followers, like the the visceral reaction I get, and I'm like, I, I'm just tweeting the lines, guys. Please have a, have some mercy on us. We're just oh. telling you the information. Uh, but yes. Yes, people are not too pleased about Nick Ritchie. Um, and by the way, it's this isn't like a Rask thing, where it's like we are like there, there's the pro Rask and then the anti Rask, and we're all, like most of us are pro Rask. So like we're not like telling you to like Nick Ritchie because truthfully, none of us are sold on him either. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like like you're you're yelling at people who probably agree with you on this. Like it's we, like the, it's like the uh, the Hannibal Burris where he's like, "Why are you yelling at me? I'm right." Like or whatever that whatever that meme is where. <laughs> With it chirping them the whole time, it's like one of those. But I think I think it's worth looking into, and I'm. And it's a good thing I think that they're looking into this to see if this works, to really see if maybe Nick Ritchie just kind of didn't get the start he wanted last year. The pandemic, the bubble, maybe this is different. Um, but I do think that that is a spot in the lineup that is very subject to change. Yeah, no, I think especially in, considering also the fact that you got a lot of guys that could slot into that 
third line role. I mean, Andrews Bjork is going to be starting the year on the fourth line, but he could slot into that spot, um, which he's had a lot of experience with. Um, you know, you look at maybe guys on if Zach Sennishin makes the taxi squad and he gets called up, he could be a guy. Um, you know, Stanika could be put in a, a third line role once Pasterna comes back. So there's a lot of guys um, that could fill out that spot, which is good for the Bruins. It's probably the most depth they've had up front in a long, long time. So they had the luxury that if it's a, a field experiment, you're not kind of grasping for straws. Like we saw last year, they opened the year with uh, Brett Ritchie as Krejci's right wing. Doesn't pan out. And then it's again, when hey, I was he like, scored oh. in the first game, he exactly. scored the yeah. first game. It started off great. And then he couldn't count to 82 and it kind of went downhill from there. He had that incident, <laughs> but like, I remember that. that but, good. but like, again, yeah, it's one of those ones where he doesn't pan out. And back then they're like, well, shit. All right. What do we have to, what are we doing now? We've got the same problem that's been plaguing us for years now. Eventually they get under Akasha, but now if they're in a similar situation this year, uh, you know, they at least are helped out by the fact that, you know, they can turn to other options who should be able to hold their own in that role. But you you can see why starting the year, uh, getting a clean, giving clean slate to a guy like him and Kasha. And uh, I mean, so far, Richie's been solid in camp. Like, it's not like he's got to reinvent the wheel or drastically change his game. I mean, I asked Cassidy during practice on Wednesday kind of what the message was to him and how he would complement that line. And he said that, you know, when you got a puck possession guy like Coyle, you got a shooter like Smith, like all you got to do is be the guy up front, right? You got to be the one to, you know, tip shots, get rebounds. Like, again, it's not, this isn't any revel, you know, revelation in terms of what you're seeing from him. He just has to play that game and uh, play physical, not take really bad penalties as we saw in the playoffs. But, uh. <laughs> but again, if he can just be kind of that, a steady third line guy who, you know, is able to add some physicality, which I think is, you know, I, I think we've talked about it a couple of times, as much as I think we both hate the Bruins need an enforcer dude uh, narrative. They do at least need some guys with size, right? Because I think we're all dreading uh, when they play the Capitals. And if Kevin Miller's, you know, hurt or they got situations like that, or Frederick's not in the lineup, like who's kind of, be your guy that's going to answer if, you know, a guy like Pasternak gets gets run or something like that. So uh, it makes plenty of sense why they're going to start with Richie, and, and we'll see how it goes. Um, but at least they have some other options in case it doesn't pan out. Yeah, and I think that's sort of the thing. I mean, obviously we always make fun of the Bruins need to enforce our crowd, but I do think that, like, you do need bigger bodies up front. Yes. You don't have that. Uh, I want to. I was thinking about this. I want to pose this question because last year at the deadline, obviously, and sort of the fallout from it, we we criticized Sweeney and uh, the front office a lot for. But if they went out and got Coleman, let's say they get Coleman instead of Richie, and they get Palmieri instead of Kasha, I think we're probably more confident in the lineup if Coleman and Kasha, uh, Coleman and Palmieri are in. But let's just say they got Coleman instead of Kasha for some reason, and they didn't get Richie and they got somebody else. Yeah. Would you rather have Coleman than Kasha? Or no, you'd rather have Kasha than Coleman. Uh, I mean, that's a tough I, It's like, again, I put Coleman kind of the same category as uh, Coyle, where it's like, if he's like your third line guy, you're rolling and you've got a really good third liner. If you put him up in like a second or top six role, then you're like, uh, you know, he, I mean, he's still a good player. Like we saw in the playoffs, especially how good Blake Coleman is. But um, Kasha, I think it maybe is more of the boomer bust guy. So, I mean, I think you look at, again, his numbers and every time I tweet about it, people are like, yeah, we well, didn't score, which a fair point. 
I can't really counter that <laughs> argument that he didn't score at all. But I mean, you know, I'd rather have at least a guy who's generating those looks and a guy who's kind of like a black hole on offense. So, um, well, the other thing with Kasha is, and I saw DJ Bean write this, and I thought it was a good point. He's kind of like a scratch ticket, like a high value scratch ticket, yeah. one that has a good chance of working out. Where it's like you, there's the potential. That he's a top six forward, like mm-hmm. and like a good chance he's a top six forward. Coleman, not really. Coleman, you know, he's probably going to be a third line guy. Right. Um, and a lot of those third line guys, when they go to the top two lines for some reason, just kind of crumble. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'd do fine, but I just kind of thought about that. I was like, huh, I wonder if the deadline went different last year. What would happen? Yeah. I would love to have Palmieri. Palmieri oh, would be Palmieri's the guy. That is the guy. That is the guy. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with him this year when the Devils are in last place, like starting tomorrow. Or starting yes. Thursday, they're gonna they're, um, gonna they're gonna win they're gonna win tonight. Now that you said that, but yeah, they're gonna, gonna win say, the first game, and lose the rest. Yeah. <laughs> I'll down here from there. Um, another spot in the lineup on the fourth line. I I mean, I guess you could say the whole fourth line, uh, but it feels like Corelli and Wagner are probably definites just because they need that size and and a little bit of that speed. But uh, Andres Bjork, I think you're gonna see potentially rotated in and out with a guy like Frederick, depending on the size of the lineup you're facing. If you're facing the Capitals, a guy, it's probably more likely a guy like Frederick goes in. Um, do you think they do that? Yeah, I think they should. I mean, I think that's when you're able to dictate uh, matchups with your fourth line. And we know how much Cassidy values that fourth line, not as just like a, a line that's going to run you. It'll be a physical line. Like he views that line as being crucial to the team's success because usually they're tasked with all those, you know, daunting D zone, uh, you know, face-offs and matching up against top six opponents. So when they're rolling and they're negating one of those other lines, it opens the door for, you know, Bergeron to get more ozone stats and, and, you know, be able to land more punches against the opposition. So uh, getting that fourth line back up to, back up to Pav, how they were, especially in 2018, 19, when they were really clicking, I think that's going to be key for this team. Um, I think it's a good, a good thing to have when you have a guy like Bjork and Frederick who both offer a little bit of different things, but, you know, I could see it where Bjork who, you know, his, I think his offensive ceiling is pretty limited, but I think in the straight line for checking role with his speed, his transition game, um, I actually think he's, you know, a, a solid pick to, to put in there. And as a guy who can at least probably help you negate a top six opponent. Now, if you're going up against, the Capitals or something like that, and you need more size, Frederick makes a lot of sense. So, And again, if you can kind of split those guys based on the matchup, I think it's a good a good problem to for Cassidy to have. And, you know, if you get Frederick in the lineup and he starts gelling and he starts producing offensively and he starts carving a more role, great. Like, it, I don't think there's any issue with kind of splitting it based on those matchups and seeing who kind of takes, uh, you know, control of that opportunity because I think both guys – offer something pretty different in terms of what they could bring to that fourth line, but both have, you know, intriguing, uh, you know, potential in terms of how they can kind of elevate that fourth line after it kind of took a dip last year. The obvious worry with a guy like Bjork is, you know, he has that potential to get those extra points. He has the potential to, I mean, you know, we've said it his entire time here. There's that top six potential with him. Um, And it feels like things are, you know, pretty steady up front. You might not need Bjork, especially if Stadnika ends up panning out, especially if Nick Ritchie pans out well. So maybe Bjork's a trade ship later in the season. I don't know. They have him signed three years, so I don't think they're planning on trading him. And But the Seattle draft feels like he might be the guy that's exposed. Um, that might not be a safe bet. But what is a safe bet is betonline.ag. Connor, 
tell the loyal, beautiful listeners about Bet Online. Absolutely, Evan. Listen up, guys. It's an exciting time of the year around the sports world. The NFL playoffs are here. The NBA is back in full swing. James Harden's with the Nets. The world is crumbling. And at long last, Bruins hockey has finally returned. And even though you may not be at a game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how the schedules change or the players at play, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online, and we even have an exclusive promo code for our loyal listeners. So go to Bet Online and enter promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You hear me, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Evan, no one beats that. Nobody does. No one does. So what are you guys waiting for? Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great bonuses, offers, and contests available right now. Again, enter promo code CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Can't beat them. 50% welcome bonus. Welcome to the club. Um, I just actually saw on my phone while you were reading that uh, that uh, the Kasperi Kapanen and Shane Gostespair will be out for uh, against the the. Penguins and the Flyers, which you listeners know already, because that's in the past. But for mm-hmm. us, it's in the future. Uh, I, think, so, I think we're going to see quite a few of those as this year goes on. Yes. So I want to get into that, actually. Uh, so on D, obviously the spots in the lineup, Lazan uh, and Zaboral are pretty volatile. Uh, Kevin Miller on the right side. Uh, you never know with injuries. But let's get into what could go wrong and what could go very right. So we'll do best case, worst case scenario. Let's do worst first because we got to start with that. We got to start bad. Um, I, to me, and I think people are forgetting this with the lineup. Like, don't get used to the lineup as is. Your your team is traveling a lot to different places. It, it sucks. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope this doesn't happen. But you're gonna have some COVID issues. And you're going to miss guys for games. I mean, tonight, Kasperi Kapanen, not in the lineup for the Penguins. Uh, Gostaspare for the Flyers. There will be more. Uh, you see it with the Star. I mean, the Stars got killed, hit hard. Hudobin had it for three weeks. Hudobin set a record for how long you've had COVID The least for. surprising news ever was Anton Hudobin <laughs> announcing that he had COVID over in Russia. So <laughs> Three weeks. Um, and then answered a call in the middle of a press conference, which is just... The most interesting man in the world is Anthony. Oh, so it's funny. If I had to pick someone to like replace the Dosekis guy, if they still even do that commercial, which I don't think they do, put Hudobin. They should bring it back. Yeah, just for Hudobin. But um, what could go wrong? I think worst case scenario for this team is COVID hits them mm-hmm. um, consistently. Not like all at once where you like cancel four games and like, you know, you let guys recover. Like bits and pieces of the lineup get it here and there and you know you're left with dan vladar starting and you have a 2016 winter classic caliber lineup you're rolling out in march i think that's the worst case scenario yeah no absolutely i I mean i i think you look at it and it has to be something you have to expect and brace yourself for because again it's not even like these are also outright positive tests sometimes it's just the guys feeling under the weather um and they are waiting waiting to get the test it could be an inconclusive test so there's a lot of uh, variables and a lot of stuff that can prompt a team to hold a player out. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a challenge, especially 
for as much as Cassidy, this training camp is focused on keeping a lot of these lines together, you know, the Krejci and Kasha and DeBrusque and, and Richie, uh, Coyle and Smith, uh, you know, you don't know what's going to happen once you get to the regular season where you're going to have some of these lines fragmented, you know, a game, a game or two, um, just because of COVID protocol. So it's going to be a challenge for, uh, this team and, you know, a worst case scenario would be, you know, a multi, a major outbreak or, you know, Cassidy mentioned that they've, they're trying to keep Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak, uh, separated, uh, just in, you know, worst case scenario, they both get it. You're looking at what? two weeks of, of they're putting of, Raycroft in that. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, and again, it's, it's one thing where it's a challenge uh, during any, you know, season where you're missing key cogs in your lineup because of COVID protocols, but especially this year where it's 56 games in, I think it was like 112 days, something like that. Like two weeks of going, you know, one in five or, or something like that can, you know, plunge you down the, the standings in a hurry. And especially considering how, uh, competitive the East is, you know, all it takes is a couple of bad weeks and all of a sudden you're, you're kind of chasing it the whole rest of the year. So I'd say that's definitely the worst case scenario. And then you can look beyond that to just the, the amount of holes that they have, or not holes, but question marks they have on this Bruins team. And if none of them pan out, then you've got an issue. And I think most of that, I think we agree revolves around situation on defense, which not only is just the, the, the structure being impacted and, and losing, you know, what guys like Char and Krug would give you, but how that also is a domino effect to how it affects the other defensemen, how much, you know, Charlie McAvoy is going to get taxed or how much more, you know, grade A chances are, are coming uh, to Karask and Yaroslav Halak's way. Like if that, if that D pair really folds completely and none of those guys stand out and aren't even, you know, again, we're not looking for these guys to be Calder, you know, candidates or anything like that but if they're just kind of like what uh Lausanne gave them last year you know from January to March that's like all they're kind of looking for right is a guy like that that can hold his own so um again this is a Bruins team that has a lot of question marks a lot of guys who you expect would be you know poised for either breakout years when you look at a guy like DeBrusque or Kasha or or you know guys like that but if none of those guys pan out or, you know, again, we can dive into expected goals and all these other, you know, stats, but if it doesn't mean, doesn't mean shit, right. If it doesn't actually translate to goals on the, on the board. So um, again, a lot to be you know excited for this year, but if none of these guys pan out, then you're going to have to be retooling on the fly this year, just to stay afloat in the East. It should be like, if you have two expected goals for you, you get automatically one goal. Like yes. Like, that's mm-hmm. how it should work. You get one just just for having expected. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I also think another part, another aspect of this is like, I think the division, and this is how I kind of am thinking about the division. Um, it's tougher in a sense because you have more spread out talent, but it's not as tough because you're not facing the, the mega team that is the Lightning. You're not mm-hmm. facing the Maple Leafs who are very close to you mm-hmm. talent-wise. Much as you like to rag on them. I mean, you look at it and... Toronto, Tampa, and Boston are all favored to win their divisions right now, according to Bet Online. Uh, and so I think when that, when you see that, now those are the top three teams in one division for the past seven years or whatever it's been. And now they're all spread out. So it goes to show you. So I think this division will be easier to finish, mm-hmm. but I, but it's more spread out. So if you, if you have guys missing time and you do go one in five, have fun being the fifth or sixth place team for a good amount of time. So I think it's very volatile. 
it's not as like concrete, but you're not, I guess you're not facing as, as tough of teams. Now, best case scenario is COVID doesn't hit you that hard. Cause I think every team's going to have some issue with COVID. Someone's going to get exposed at some point. It's how it works. Unfortunately, um, best cases, you don't ever really have to deal with that stuff. The other teams do gritty gets COVID and, uh, I feel like gritty has like so many antibodies right now that he like COVID can't even function around him. They should just have him like sage, uh, the Welsh Fago center like Kyrie and just do that to get rid of all of COVID. Hi COVID. Gritty's, uh, yeah. Gritty's the cure. Gritty cures it. Um, but that is the best case scenario. And your lineup stays together. Because this year, not only are injuries an obstacle, not only is COVID an obstacle, not only is like uh, play an obstacle, you have all these obstacles more than you normally do. So I think, you know, if, if somehow you can find a way, this is a hot take, get ready for this hot take. But if a team can survive those three obstacles, you're probably going to win the Stanley Cup. If guys are performing, they don't get injured, and they don't get COVID, the team with the most players to do that might just win the Stanley Cup. How can you say something? That is best case scenario. How can you say something so controversial yet so so correct, Evan? How can you say something so controversial yet so brave? That's Eric Andre. Yes. Uh, Eric Andre reference for those who don't uh, understand. Apparently, apparently this is the Eric Andre show because we've been just like dropping multiple references the entire. I don't want to. I don't want to destroy my room though. That's the other thing. I I have a nice nice desk I'm on right now. I don't want to just like you know crush it. (laughs) Um, um, maybe, if they get, that, maybe, if they get, maybe if they get to the cup final, we'll, we'll do that. But yeah, we'll just destroy our respective rooms. Yes, we'll go to each other's rooms and just destroy it. Cool. Um, Hopefully, COVID is done by then. So yeah, just, that's the, the first how we celebrate. It's like people go to bars. No, I'm going to trash my my podcast co-host's place. But, fuck it. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's best case scenario, right? I mean, is that that would be the best possible scenario? Yeah, I mean, I think for the Bruins, as much as I think there's probably a lot of I don't know if doom and gloom is the right word, even though, I mean, Cassidy said today that we're said on Wednesday that he believes they're a Stanley Cup caliber team and got quite a few uh, mixed reactions on the social media sphere in terms of people thinking they're, you know, I don't know if they think just the window is completely shut or they're not going to make the playoffs or, I mean, I still think they're at least a top two team in the East. I still think they're a very good team. I think people are downplaying how much having probably the, best tandem and net in the East is going to help out this team in a compressed schedule where at least you've got two guys you can turn to or a few of these other teams are going to be, you know, rolling with, you know, Kata hot playing a whole bunch of games or, you know, I think that's going to mean quite a bit once you look at the schedule and how compressed it is. Um, and for the Bruins, I mean, you kind of map out, you know, the veteran talent you have that should still, you know, be all world. You look at Pasternak coming back uh, healthy uh, Martian coming back healthy, shaking the rust off. Um, again, I think the biggest determinant is just if those those young defensemen can can kind of hold their own. But then you like you look at some of the other guys who are either going to be looking at added minutes or more responsibilities, and you know how they fared the last couple of years in those roles, coupled with guys who are poised to break out or younger guys who just should take that next step where it's you know, McAvoy or, or Kahlo or, or Grizzly under his added roles, DeBrusque, uh, Kasha, you know, there's so many other guys, Stanika, who uh, will start the year with Bergeron and, and Marchand. Like, you kind of plug in where some of these guys are put in the lineup and, you know, how they're projected to do um, and how they fared in those spots before. And you can kind of see why, like, there's 
you know, I think some level of optimism that as long as they're able to get some stability, at least on that blue line, like this is a team where they have so many other pieces moving in the, the right direction in terms of just the natural development of some of these younger guys that like, this is still a very, very good team. Like, I think you add Craig Smith to the mix and he helps go quite a bit, but I think if you have just, you know, it's like when you play like 2k or, or like NHL and franchise mode and all your guys have like the little green arrow going a little bit better in their development. I think you're seeing like that with a bunch of other guys on this team. Um, so again, is it going to be enough to offset? Losing? Relatable. Yeah. Is it enough to like offset losing, Chara and crew, you know, it remains to be seen. I think that's going to be the biggest determinant because if they're, if they have to win games, you know, six, five or, or, you know, four, three, every single night, that's going to be a pain. And I don't think they can keep that up over a compressed schedule. But um, I think you look at just the amount of guys who are poised to be breakout guys. And I think you should have at least some optimism that, you know, this team can still be a viable contender in this East division. Also, it sucked for Rask having to face yes. 40 shots a night. Yeah, uh, that would not, not be great. very fun. Defumi had success. a Defumi. If you guys want to do some doom and gloom, Defumi had a tweet today that might induce some doom and gloom. I know a lot of Bruins fans, including Bruins writers like us, uh, like to take a look at the past and compare it to the present. Uh, 2013-14 Presidents Trophy lose in second round. 2014-15 Boychuk and again Lagan miss the playoffs. Translate to now 19-20 Presidents Trophy lose in the second round. 20 uh, or the 2021 season. Char and crew gone. Mm-hmm. What's next? 2014-15 was Pasternak's rookie season. 2021, Jackson Nika's rookie season. So if you want to have some fun with doom and gloom with that, you have history on your side. You have history. But I do think that, as you said, if they can just get stability out of Zaboral and Lozon, if you can just get Nick Ritchie to do the bare minimum, just get to the net, jam home some rebounds, win some puck battles along the wall, create some space, You'll be fine. Don't take dumb penalties, you know? And we expected tripping penalties from him. Guys flying by. Not, yeah. you know, drilling Yanni Gord's face into the glass. Um, right. But just just the bare minimum. If Stanika can just hold his own with Marshawn and Bergeron, uh, they'll be fine. So it's it's not like the Bruins are expecting, you know, they didn't, it's not like, you know, they're expecting or they need Stanika to match Pasternak's production. You don't need uh, Jeremy Lozon to be Zidane Ochara. You just need to have guys be solid. That's yeah. it. And that's tough. And, you you know, that that could easily be proven very tough. Uh, COVID could wreck this lineup. And you have many different people with many different people they hadn't played with before. So there's question marks. Um, but I do think that it's still a good team. I don't think this is bad. I don't think they're, they don't suck. They're not going to suck. Uh, it's very optimistic, isn't it? Um, again, I have them in second. For the headline, like they are not going to suck. They don't suck. Um, I say they're second in the East. Uh, and I know you think that too. I will though go through the rest of my division. Uh, cause I did, I did, I did a very, very heavily researched, definitely not just thrown together. Mm-hmm group of teams for the East. For me, it's Philly first, Boston, the New York Islanders, the Caps, the Rangers, the Penguins, Sabres, Devils. I think everybody has Sabres, Devils as uh, yes. seven and eight. I don't think anyone doesn't. Um, but the top six, see, to me, the top two are pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the middle four that you're going to have a lot of different, it's going to be changing quite a bit. Um, yeah. I'm interested to hear what you think of that and what you think of that. 
Yeah. Or, or I, what I you mean, would like, what you would do. I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the top of the East is all going to be pretty jammed together, but I have, let's see, Flyers, Bruins, Caps, Pens, Islanders, who don't make the cut. Ranges because that, that defense scares the shit out of me. As, as much as I think they're going to be lighting up guys, that defense is holy shit. Um, and then like yeah, they, have Tony, they have Tony D. They have Tony yeah, D. Yeah, of course. Fine. Um, and then I mean, pick your poison. Which one? Like I'll say Sabers and then Devils. But this, those are clearly going to be the two punching bags in the in the East. It sucks for those two teams though. By the way, because like for the Devils. You're not gonna have other. You're not gonna have the Red Wings to beat up on. You're not gonna have the Ducks. You're not gonna have other shitty teams. Oh, yeah. To get wins with, you're gonna just get your own. So you gotta play the Sabers. They're the worst team you're gonna play. Like they're better than you. Um, and not, and the Devils obviously just lost Corey Crawford. Uh, so yeah, I mean, to me, I think the Rangers just missed the cut. I think the Rangers are surprisingly optimistic this year and. And good, but they're, not gonna, be a lot, they're gonna be a lot of fun to watch. And I feel like in a, another year or two, especially, they're gonna be a wagon. Like I think if you're a Rangers fan, you should be excited. This year is gonna be fun as hell. Like seeing a lot of these young guys kind of cut their teeth up in the NHL. So I think they're one year away because they gotta they could add some bodies on that blue line because you can't win with that decor like that. Oh no! But I mean, you have Kako in his second year. You have Lafreniere. You know, you have uh, you have quite a bit of pieces over there. Um, and I'm interested to see how Char does with the Caps. That is a really uh, – that's one I'm very interested in to see if he's playing all the time, to see what his role is. We saw him mic'd up the other day uh, or uh, on uh, on Tuesday, and he seems to be fitting in well down in the nation's capital. But um, nonetheless, that is the East. That is the Bruins. Uh, we are very excited for the start of the season. Connor, uh, what can the listeners look forward to from you over at Boston Sports Journal? Yeah, I uh, just dropped a, uh, a long uh, feature breaking down – uh, the top breakout candidates for the Bruins that I talked about before. So it's a bit of a deep dive on guys who I think are, are primed to uh, really pay dividends for the team this year and, you know, see if they can kind of push this team, uh, take another step forward as they look ahead to the days, you know, without Bergeron and, and company in the coming years. So I have a feature on that. And then um, once you guys are listening to this on, on Thursday morning, I have a couple other things breaking down this season. So, Follow along over at Boston Sports Channel. Subscribe there. You can follow me on Twitter uh, at Connor Ryan underscore 93, where both Evan and I will have plenty of tweets and gifs and more in the coming days with the NHL season finally back. Oh, you listeners are so lucky. Uh, but go do all that. Make sure to go subscribe to BSJ. Uh, and that is Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Channel. I'm Evan Marinovsky of CLS Media. You Bruins fans, enjoy tonight's game and have a great rest of your week.